Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to the Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Bald Face Truth. It will be home run derby coming up tonight. We got Adley Rutschman in this thing, the Orioles slugger. First official rookie year for Adley. He's going pretty darn well, I would say. Made the all-star team and not starting, but will uh, we'll certainly make an appearance uh, throughout the game. And he'll start in the Home Run Derby tonight here on the Portland flagship. We'll have coverage of the MLB Home Run Derby starting at 5 o'clock uh, just uh, after I sign off here with the Bald Face Truth. Judah Newby in for John Cazzano on the BFT today. And you at 503-417-7575. We can also take your tweets on uh, Twitter at 750thegame and at Judah Newby. Scott's in on Twitter and he says, I'm a Dame fan. But he is a victim of terrible management for roughly a decade. I completely respect him for wanting out, but he abused his victim privileges by making an ultimatum and trying to hold the Blazers hostage. And I, look, I understand that sentiment from fans saying that, hey, Dame, I, I did feel bad for you because we didn't build a contending roster around you uh, during the time that you were here, at least not a uh, one that had multiple pathways to contend. But at the same time, by forcing your way out and by asking for a trade and more specifically asking for a trade to one place and one place only, that kind of puts the franchise I root for in a terrible position. So for that, I don't feel bad for you. And that's why this thing's complicated and, and it's got levels to it. And the moment that I feel a little bit of sympathy toward Damian Lillard and all of this is also the moment that I'm like, well... I mean, he did sign a huge contract extension about a year ago and is asking out. So he's kind of reaping the fruit uh, of his own actions. I don't begrudge him for getting the big deal or the big extension. It's just the reality of the way things go in uh, in this business. Uh, Larry's in on Twitter as well. He says, why is the current Blazers GM alluding his team could have been done better around Dame? The Blazers situation with Dame in the roster occurred before his time in the GM seat. I hope Dame suits up in an NBA uniform soon. I'm ready to see him play. I kind of am with you, Larry. The fact that Joe Cronin, you know, accepted responsibility and called it a failure on his part to not build a contending roster around Damian Lillard. But most of that fault certainly, certainly lies at the feet of Neil Olshay. That being said, when the stakes were at their highest in terms of the urgency... Damian Lillard going on record with Stephen A. Smith. Damian Lillard, you know, saying, hey, if we don't build a contending team around me soon, we're going to have a different conversation. He made iterations of that comment multiple times, uh, you know, in the last year and a half. Joe Cronin's been at the helm the last year and a half. Now, he inherited the situation certainly from Olshay, who he was an assistant under, but at the same time, he had some high leverage opportunities to appease Dame, most notably the number three overall pick in the draft. Etc. Didn't do it. However realistic you you think that may or may not have been is up for debate. But you know he had his opportunities. He had some swings to make it happen, and he didn't make it happen. So that does lie at Cronin's feet. And for that, I think taking accountability is the right move. Plus, it kind of makes him look good. I think it makes Joe Cronin look really good to think that you know hey I I can be a big enough man to accept responsibility for not building a contending roster around Damian Lillard. 
Uh, let's go to the phones right now. Sean Hyken uh, is covering the Trailblazers in Summer League from Vegas. He was covering the Joe Cronin press conference. I actually spoke to him just before we went on air with the show because the Trailblazers are uh, going to be practicing at Summer League right now. So Hyken was kind enough to join us for just a few moments before the show and talk about his overall impressions from Joe Cronin's press conference and more from Summer League. So I started just by asking him what his overall takeaways were from Cronin's comments this afternoon. Well, so the two headlines I would say from it are he was very, you know, honest, which I was, you know, you don't really hear this a lot from GM. He said the words, I failed Dane. He acknowledged that he set out with a goal to, you know, put win now pieces around Dane that would make him happy and want to stay here in Portland and that he was unable to do that. And he feels like it was a personal failure on his part. That was one thing he said. And the other thing, as far as like the news part of it and, you know, how this is going to go is he said he made it clear. And this is something that I have been hearing for at least a week was that he is not in any kind of rush to make a deal. And he is not going to just do a deal just to do a deal or just to get Dane where he wants to go. He's going to wait until and the line that he had today was if it takes months, it takes months. So he's really not feeling like he's under any kind of pressure to get a deal done anytime soon if he doesn't get a deal that he likes. If. If you were to uh, guess or handicap it, do you think this could last until training camp, last until the start of the season? Would it be uncomfortable with Damian or the franchise if it did last that long? Well, I mean, it's not it, it's not outside the realm of possibility, and it's been done. Look at what happened a year ago. Kevin Durant very publicly requested a trade out of Brooklyn and went to the step of going to ownership and it, with the Nets with Joe Sy and saying, either fire both Sean Marks and Steve Nash or trade me. And they didn't find a deal they liked, so they didn't trade him. And he showed up to training camp and played that season and did his job and was a pro. And then they revisited it at the deadline when the situation changed and the offers changed. So I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that that happens. Would it be uncomfortable? Yeah, but it also wouldn't be the first time in NBA history that there's an uncomfortable situation like that. Like, so I could see it happening that way if Joe doesn't get a deal that he likes. What do, you, what do you make of Damian Lillard's perceived attitude, uh, real attitude toward all of this? Uh, is he firmly, you know, wanting to exit, or is there any notion that uh, he may have a, have a change of heart of some kind down the road? However, minute a chance that may be. Well, that's also been done before. I mean, if you remember. <laughs> This is going a little bit back, but uh, in 2007, Kobe Bryant was adamant that he wanted to be traded out of L.A. And he had he was his situation was a little bit different because he had a no trade clause, but they had a trade to Chicago, which is where that he wanted to he wanted to go. And he vetoed the trade because Luol Deng was in the trade, and he ended up staying. And they traded for Pau Gasol, and it was fine. So I could I guess I could see that happening. I do believe that deep down, Dame wants to be in Portland, but he also wants to have a chance to be competitive and be contending. And if he feels that the organization is not going in that direction, then he probably will continue to feel the way that he feels. Uh, I will say this. I think this idea that's kind of been out there and has been floated by a few different people that if Dame isn't traded or if he's traded to somewhere besides Miami, that he would not report to camp or wouldn't show up or wouldn't play or would sit out. I don't believe that for a second. I think Dame is more wired like Kevin Durant than he is like Ben Simmons or James Harden. He loves to play basketball more than anything. If he's not traded or if he's traded somewhere other than Miami, he will show up and he will be a pro and he will do his job. But even if he's not happy about it, and then maybe it gets revisited down the line. That's kind of where, you know, I obviously I haven't talked to Dame since the end of the season directly, but I 
I would say that's probably my guess on where that lands right now. Yeah, Sean Hyken joining us from Vegas, uh, Rose Garden Report here on the Bald Face Truth. You're kind of alluding to it there, but I'm curious what you think of the way that Dame's agent, Aaron Goodwin, has uh, handled proceedings so far to this point, uh, both in on-record and off-record comments and uh, different narratives uh, being pushed. Well, what have you made of, of what Goodwin is doing? Is this just an agent trying to do his job, or is there something more to read into there? I mean, what is Aaron Goodwin's job as Dame's agent? His job, Dame, his client tells him, I want to go to Miami. His job is to try to get him to Miami however he can. I Honestly, like, as much as, you know, this stuff has gotten contentious with the media back and forth and different leaks and whatever else, I think both sides right now are doing what they would be expected to do in this situation. I think Aaron Good, like I said, Aaron Goodwin's job is to try to get his guy where he wants to go, and Joe Cronin's job is to try to get the best deal he can if they do decide to trade Dame. So, I really don't, I mean, I understand that, like, you know, people want to kind of take sides and say one side is at fault or the other. I don't really have an issue with the way either side is handling this right now. You know, what you mentioned at the top was also interesting to me, insofar as, all, of course, all the Dame stuff is fascinating, but Joe Cronin taking accountability and saying that he failed Damian Lillard, you know, there is no chance, and this is my opinion, but there is no chance those words are coming out of the mouth of Joe Cronin's predecessor, uh, what was the feeling uh, like for you, and w- was there any type of reaction in the room when Joe Cronin explicitly said, hey, that was on me for not building a contender around Dame like we said we would? Well, it's not the first time that he's done that. At his exit interview back in April, he was asked about the progress that he thinks Chauncey Billups has made as a coach, and he said something pretty similar about how I put Chauncey's failures more on me than I do on him because I didn't give him a talented enough roster. I mean, I think I would agree with you that there's – no chance Neil Olshay would have ever done or said anything like that. Uh, and, I, you know, I would say the feeling in the room just after the press conference was that he was a Joe kind of did what he needed to do. He, you know, he dug his, he basically respectfully dug his heels in and said, look, we're not, he didn't say, obviously you can't comment on specific trade negotiations because that's not legally allowed in the CBA and he would get fined. But he basically said without saying it, we are not taking that Miami offer and something else is going to have to present itself for us to trade Dane is basically kind of what I took away from it. You know, Cronin didn't really mention it in his press conference, Sean, but what do you think of, you know, potential ownership involvement, quote unquote, like where, where Jody and Bert, um, at what point do they get involved with these Damian Lillard trade, uh, trade, uh, possibilities and do they have any influence whatsoever? I mean, the ownership has to sign off on any move that anybody makes, whether it's on the basketball side or the business side. I can tell you, I don't think Blazers ownership wants to trade Damian Lillard because he, you know, he's going to sell tickets, he's going to sell jerseys, and I know people are really excited about Scoot Henderson right now, and he looked awesome in his first uh, game in summer league before he got hurt. But Scoot Henderson is not Damian Lillard as far as star power in the city of Portland. I don't think. Jody Allen and Burke Cole are really itching to give that up and, you know, just to cut costs or whatever. So I think they, you know, I'm assuming I haven't heard anything that just said that Joe Cronin doesn't have full authorization to trade Damian Lillard. But, you know, Joe, you know, Joe has to look out for his own career, too. And if he makes a bad deal to trade that guy, then, you know, that is not good for him either. So. I, you know, I think I think ownership would love it if Dame was still around, but I think if Joe gets a deal that he thinks is a good deal, I don't think they would stand in the way of him making it. 
So Scoot debuts uh, and gets hurt in the second half, so only goes 21 minutes, but looks pretty good in those 21 minutes. Uh, You've got guys like Bill Simmons saying that he's going to be an absolute bleeping star. (laughs) Is that too too high standards to put on the 19-year-old at this point, or what are your overall impressions of, of Scoot Henderson? He looked real good that first half before he got injured, and I think it's a different kind of good than Damian Lillard. Like he's not an outside shooter like Dame is. He's more of a slasher or and, and like a you know drive and kick type of guy. You know, it's attacking the rim type of point guard. It's a different type of guy than than Dame is. But it, it's it's really exciting. I mean, I I see why the hype is what it was. I'll fully admit I did not watch a ton of G League Ignite games, but. After seeing, and I know there's only so much you can read into the first, half, you know, into a one half of one summer league game or really any summer league game. But I think he, you know, I think there's a reason people are as excited about it as they are. The Jeremy Grant Matisse Tybal moves also made official. Uh, they followed Cronin this afternoon at the press conference. Were those moves also going to happen regardless of the Damian Lillard trade request? And what do you make of Grant and Tybal coming back to Portland? I think so. I mean, I think the Grant deal's been done basically since. January or February, I've been reporting pretty close to what the number ended up being. Uh, you know, when you trade for somebody like Jeremy Grant, who has one year left on his contract, you don't make that trade assuming it's going to be a one-year rental. You make that trade assuming that there's kind of a handshake agreement that you know it's going to go. There's going to be more, and it's going to it's going to you know go longer than that. And with Tybal, I think you know they would. I, I, you can say maybe it was an overpay, you know, a little bit for what he's done in the league, but I think they weren't going to let an asset like that walk for nothing. And I think they feel like he's young enough that he still has a lot of room to get better. And he's also a guy that I think whatever direction the roster is going, whether they end up keeping Dame and trying to contend, Matisse Thibel is a guy that I think can be a rotation player on a good team. And if you do decide to go young and rebuild, Matisse Thibel is a you know good defensive guard that I think makes sense to put next to Scoot and Shaden. So. I wasn't really surprised that either one of them were back. What's Wemby like close up? Oh, my God. He had this one play that happened probably about five feet in front of me where he shot a floater from one side of the basket, missed it, got his own rebound on the other side of the basket, and then put it back and dumped over Ibu Baji, the Blazers' <laughs> uh, summer league center. It was It's pretty unreal watching that guy up close. I did not see the first game that he played against Charlotte because I was doing like Blazers post-game media stuff. I didn't see any of that game. I heard he did not look good in that game. He looked pretty incredible in the game last night. And I think, you know, it, it's hard to judge too much off of summer league, especially for a guy like him, because he's going to be better when he's surrounded by good players. But I mean, it's, you kind of, it's, it's, he does some stuff. I have not seen a lot of players do. What else are you looking for at summer league? Blazers next game is tomorrow night, I believe. Well, I'm out after, so I probably won't be seeing much of it from that. I'm, <laughs> I suppose I'm interested to see if Scoot Henderson plays again. They, you know, he obviously didn't play last night against San Antonio because of the shoulder injury, but uh, they said he was day to day. They didn't rule him out for all of summer. So I, that to me, that's an encouraging sign that the shoulder injury isn't serious. My guess is that he probably wants to play another game or two, and the organization might feel like they've seen enough and don't want to risk it so i'll be interested to see where that lands i guess i know you're tied on time you got to blazers practice to get to just wanted to let you know love the podcast in addition to the publication uh really appreciate uh, all the work you do at rose garden report sean hyken and thanks for making time for us from vegas that's very nice of you to say judah i'll talk to you soon
Yes, we will. Sean Hyken joined us uh, right before the show uh, from Vegas as he is now immersed in uh, Blazers practice from Summer League. There is a little bit of news out of Blazers Summer League that we'll get to with our big splash coming up next. We'll also talk a little Home Run Derby and MLB All-Star game up in Seattle because you got, of course, Sherwood native Adley Rutschman involved in that one. Former Oregon State great. Also Julio trying to uh, go deep in the home run derby tonight as well. I think he's up against Pete Alonzo. Uh, so that's going to be interesting and fun. We'll also have coverage of that starting at 5 o'clock here on the flagship of the BFT Radio Network. 7.50 the game. Bounce break and come back. Lots more to get to. Plus your calls at 503-417-7575. Your tweets at Judah Newby at 7.50 the game. Hope you're enjoying your Monday on this July 10th right here on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network. A lot going on today. 503-417-7575. You've got any thoughts on the Damian Lillard ongoing saga? Joe Cronin's comments this afternoon. If you missed any of Cronin's comments, we'll reset some of them coming up in our next hour as well. We were also joined by Sean Hyken, Rose Garden Report here on the Bald Face Truth. Newby and for Kazano. Hyken had some uh, really good insights on what he took away from Cronin's on-the-record comments. Cronin's first on-the-record comments since Damian Lillard officially asked for his trade back on July 1st. Uh, Before we get to any more of that, though, let's get to our Big Splash, the one thing you need to know today. This is the one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where? Down there. Well, there were a couple different news items I was going to include on the big splash until the commercial break. And there's breaking news during the commercial break in college football. Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern head football coach, is the Northwestern head football coach no longer. Pat Fitzgerald will not return as head coach of the Wildcats, his alma mater. He has been fired. Of course, Duck fans uh, with the former president at the University of Oregon, Michael Schill, left last year to take the post at Northwestern. So this is his call right now. Again, this news just breaking in the world of college football that Pat Fitzgerald, head coach at Northwestern, has been fired. He's been under fire in the last 24 to 48 hours or so with the uh, in the wake of some hazing allegations around the program that have since come to light. You had a former player that said, hey, there was a, a lot of hazing in the program and a lot of it of sexual nature uh, that was borderline, you know, sexual abuse. And, you know, this former player had plenty to say. He spoke to ESPN on condition of anonymity. Then there was another current player at Northwestern that went to ESPN and said he's talked to the former player and the former player basically told him, he's like, I'm going to do whatever I can to see Pat Fitzgerald rot in jail. He, and and the former player that brought these allegations to light in the first place. And you know, they're they're you know, I I haven't read all of them, but what I have read is um, pretty disturbing stuff that I really hope is not, Anything remotely close to commonplace in college football. And I've been naive before. I get it. But come on. Come on. This doesn't happen at every single program or every single university. At least I sure as hell hope it doesn't. Hazing might happen from time to time, but it might, you know, hopefully it's mild and good natured at its best. But I think we're seeing what hazing looks like at its worst 
at a place like Northwestern. And Pat Fitzgerald, who previously said, I had no knowledge of any hazing whatsoever. Did it occur in our locker room? Did it not occur in our locker room? I can't say for sure one way or the other, but I had no knowledge of it. Well, the former player that brought these allegations said, um, actually, he absolutely did have knowledge of it. And Michael Schill, again, former Oregon president, now the president at Northwestern, initially suspended Pat Fitzgerald for two weeks without pay in the middle of summer, well before Big Ten Media Day, well before anything of consequence on the college football calendar. And uh, we talked about it a little bit in the Big Splash, I think on Friday with uh, myself and Stephen Vaughn. And we were like, oh, it's kind of weird, you know, and that's not really that much of a discipline. Two weeks when there's nothing going on without pay? Like if it was an actual legitimate punishment, do this during the season, during uh, at least fall camp or have him miss a game or something. But you know how the world of college football is. It's, you know, you just try to sweep it under the rug and hope nobody notices. Well, people noticed. People noticed. And the more, as the hours went on and more kind of came to light about just how uh, distasteful you know, the uh, the allegations were, and Pat, and just how much Pat Fitzgerald knew of what was going on at Northwestern, now he's fired. And that's a guy that had been there since 2006. Northwestern, uh, I don't know if you know this, tough place to succeed athletically. Tough place to succeed academically if you get in. Um, you know, I, I did my undergrad about 45 minutes away from Evanston, and Got spent some time on that campus, beautiful campus right there on the lake, you know, just uh, a little bit northwest of, of Chicago. But tell you what, Pat's, Pat Fitzgerald got Northwestern to a kind of consistent level of competing until last year when the bottom dropped out. That, you know, you thought that he was just going to be an institution there. Well, you know what takes down institutions, as we found out with more than one example, sad to say, Joe Pop, Penn State, others. And this is nothing quite like that, but, you know, it's still disturbing stuff, is letting things happen under your peer view that you claim you had no knowledge about and either should have had knowledge about or decided to turn a blind eye or were straight up lying, which I think all of those are in play with Pat Fitzgerald. So, you know... People really like Pat Fitzgerald. Plus, there's a lot of guys that cover college football in uh, in journalism, and I'm seeing a lot of uh, you know hand wringing among college football writers that uh, went to Northwestern because they've got one of the best journalism schools in the country, uh, right up there with with Missouri, even Oregon. Obviously, he's got a good, really good J school, and uh, but Northwestern held in high regard. Turned out a number of media members, broadcasters. Uh, obviously, Syracuse is in that conversation, especially for broadcasters. But, and I'm seeing these guys like, man, I thought I knew Pat Fitzgerald. This sounds nothing like the Pat Fitzgerald I thought I knew personally. And now he's just fired because we, we didn't have a whiff of this going on. And now just one former player comes out, brings these allegations to light, has a face-to-face meeting with Michael Schill. And to Michael Schill's credit, I guess, he rescinds the two-week punishment that he gave for Pat Fitzgerald, and he came out late last week and said, hey, you know what? There's a chance that I was mistaken with the two-week uh, two week suspension for Fitzgerald. Not only am I going to walk all that back, but now here we are, Monday afternoon, Monday evening, 
out in Big Ten country. And Pat Fitzgerald is no longer the head coach of Northwestern football. Big news. Pat Fitzgerald fired. That's our big splash. Hour one in the books. Hour two coming up. We'll get some punch. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.